Buenos dias. Welcome to the People Power Everything podcast. I am your host, John Dallas, and I believe that there is power in the masses. The goal of this podcast is to talk about that power, how we can help it manifest itself for all of us, and some lessons I've learned along the way. Hello, dear listeners, all three, four, maybe more of you, hopefully, maybe. Today, I went on a little bit of a stroll down memory lane in relation to my working from home, my experience, my perceptions, my opinions. And I'll put a disclaimer on the front of this one. This is the story of my perspective. All the opinions are mine and not that of my current or former employers. So I'll put that out there right off the bat. If you're anything like me and stories about remote work jump out at you, you might have seen a study published called Return to Office Mandates. It's out of Pitt University. Basically says they don't work. On the contrary, they reduce employee satisfaction and do nothing to improve productivity. Some critics say that it's all about blaming employees for results that aren't coming in for the company. Um, saying that, well, we're not doing as well because a bunch of people are sitting at home in their pajamas all day doing nothing. I've worked from home for the last almost 20 years. I have to say I'm far from doing nothing and my teams are the same. So personal opinion, maybe I'm not going to give you data to back that up, but overall I seem to be still in demand. So I guess I'm doing something right. I was going to write about articles and debate about it, but I ended up putting together a summary of my personal history and my opinions about it come out. So happy listening. For over 20 years, I've enjoyed the option to work from pretty much anywhere. It started with taking my laptop home in case I got called on pager duty. Yeah, I am pager duty old. I was on call which meant that the pager could go off at any hour, day or night, weekend, weekday, and I had to be able to respond. Sometimes it was just a quick call to make sure things were going okay and check if I had to log in to check more details. If that was the case, I'd boot up my computer or simply take it out of sleep mode, log in through VPN from no matter where I was at the time, most of the time I was just at home, and I could check things out. Through my computer, I also had access to chat, phone and teleconferencing applications that let me be in the office just like anyone that was at a desk. Over time, the on-call capability slowly morphed into working from home on days when the weather was particularly bad, ice storm, snowstorm, which morphed into, oh, there's a snowflake coming down, so I cannot leave my house. <laughs> Other than the weather-related incidents, Maybe I wanted to focus on something in particular and working from home made it much, much easier. But it was still rare. Then I started working on projects and the team was scattered everywhere. I'll say across the country, not quite, but almost. And being in an office started to lose value. I was on my computer all day on teleconferences, direct calls, or doing focused work. The people physically around me grew to be less and less. I just didn't deal with them anymore. It just wasn't my job. At one point, I was going into the office in Montreal, which is about a two-hour drive away from me, more than I was going into the one in Ottawa, which much, much closer. 
at that point, it was really clear to me that going into the office was much more of a burden than a benefit, mostly because I wasn't seeing people. At one point, there were so few people in the office that without coordinating together to meet, I was alone. I probably had at least 2,000 square feet to myself. Luckily, I had a wireless headset so I could use the space to get some exercise, walk around, which was pretty awesome, but still alone in a cube all day. Not my idea of fun. So at one point, I started to do the mental math. How much is going into the office costing me? Parking was at least 15 bucks a day, then coffee, sometimes lunch, if I was lazy. Um, so it came up to anywhere between 20 and $40 a day. Multiply that, say, by 220 workdays, assuming four weeks vacation, some sick days thrown in for good measure, at 30 bucks a day, adds up to $6,600 a year. And that's after taxes. I couldn't claim any of this. So I was probably throwing close to $10,000 in salary out the window. And I was going to a place where I didn't see anyone particular. Add that to the cost of gas, insurance, wear and tear in the car or bus pass if I took public transportation. And you can see how it all adds up. And that doesn't even count the time. Oh, the time. Ottawa traffic is really not that bad compared to other locations, but my commute could easily become 45 minutes each way, meaning I'd spend an hour and a half in traffic for nothing. So at that point, I decided to just work from home most of the time. If there was a meeting or another important happening in the office, I'd happily go in. No fuss, no muss, even on a Monday or Friday. Had some colleagues who had issues with that. Me personally, you say you're coming in on a Friday, I'll go in. Not a big deal. At first, the company I worked for didn't condone or approve it, but it became an unspoken agreement. As long as nobody complains and the work gets done, all good. Team members started even taking a month or sometimes more to work from a more tropical location in the winter. As long as the internet connection was good, most people barely noticed. Being in Ottawa or Orlando didn't matter. We didn't say anything because we knew that we were probably a few disclosures away from being mandated into the office. In some places, the company did try that, and most of the people I know promptly just ignored it. It was obvious. They wanted flexibility, and they appreciated it. Then came COVID. For our team, we had a call on that fateful Friday, March 13th, 2020. Remember it very well. And the boss looked around the virtual room all on video conference which we were really used to being in because we use it all the time. And he said, everybody should stay home on Monday and for the foreseeable future. We all kind of just had a blank stare and said, all right, that's basically what we do already, so no problem. Little did we know about the length of lockdowns and health measures. While it definitely affected our lives, our working lives went on virtually unchanged for the most part. In early 2022, the company started calling people back to work which several of us were upset with for several reasons. First, don't call it back to work. We've been working our tails off, keeping things going while the world suddenly changed, and we ended up with a lot more to do very quickly. Our teams were called upon to enable the technology in a secure fashion so a lot more people could join our wonderful world of remote work. It was hectic. But I was happy, actually, to see many more people enjoying the flexibility of working from home. The communications teams adjusted the message and started using back to the office, which we still didn't really like, but we let that one go. 
In the team I worked in, spread out amongst many cities across the country, and even with a colleague who lived in Central America, this wasn't new, we'd been there for a while, we weren't too keen on being forced into an office where we really didn't want to go. Upper management, on the other hand, were very keen to see their office spaces filled with people, maybe somehow to justify the rent being paid or an antiquated view of the world that only people who see each other live and in person every day can be productive, innovative, creative, somehow ignoring the amazing work that had happened over the previous two years. There was an HR director who thought she would hate working from home, but she developed a taste for it. And she admitted that freely on a conference call. Somehow all that suddenly got forgotten. We had a presentation about how the company was revamping office spaces to be collaborative. Bizarrely, somebody thought it would be a good idea to have the company that does office space renovations present it. The staff called out the blatant bias pretty quickly. And still, leadership pained to properly explain the benefits of taking away people's autonomy and flexibility in the name of some unproven concepts of collaboration. Personally, at that point, I got myself moved to a location that was in an office with four other people that I never worked with. My arrangement was really to simplify my taxation uh, between provinces, and it gave me a place to go that was not my home, uh, but only 10 minutes away. If I wanted to get out of the house, which sometimes I do, and so do other people, uh, I didn't have to go far, and I ended up somewhere else. So without needing to go to an office for a specific reason, I just didn't go. I saw leadership touting how great it was to see each other, and people were happy to be physically together for the first time in two years. And I'm not sure why they thought that was surprising somehow, um, but I wouldn't base a policy on that first time of people seeing each other. I see old friends from time to time, and I love seeing them. Doesn't mean I want to be with them 724. I love you guys, but we need some separation. Somehow that all became the basis for an explanation of how amazing office life is. And I don't deny that humans need to see each other. They do. I just don't have the belief that she has to be every day or several days a week in order to develop relationships and work productively. Since... The company's implemented several measures to track and force people to be in the office. I was told three days a week minimum. I'm not there anymore, so I don't know for certain for me, but I still talk to a bunch of people, and many I speak to go in grudgingly, suffering long commutes, spending extra money on all the things I'm saving on to be in front of their screen and talk on the phone. I hope they do get the benefit of water cooler moments where they can connect with people they may not otherwise. I truly do. That would be awesome. Personally, I'll continue to schedule virtual coffees and ask my colleagues to suggest new ones on a regular basis. There are ways we can build relationships and new connections remotely. It takes some effort, sure, but so does saying hi to random people at a water cooler you don't know uh, and asking them questions about themselves without much context. I actually find my virtual coffees to be easier because my introductory message of, hey, I'm John and this is what I do for a living and I'd like to know more about you and what you do for a living. It gives them context and why some weirdo in IT wants to get them know them better. A few years ago, I left that company and I now work in a job that's officially 100% remote. I still see people live, 
I go to headquarters every month about for a few days for specific meetings, but also just to see people and develop closer relationship. The important part is that I do it on my own terms. Having the choice is powerful. To be clear, I didn't leave my previous employer because they wanted me to come back to the office. It was part of it. I value my freedom and independence. There were other reasons and it was an amicable separation. I'll just say it that way. But getting back to my autonomy, I value my independence. Basic psychological needs theory says autonomy is key to intrinsic motivation. When we take pieces of that away, people feel it and they respond with less productivity, less satisfaction, less motivation. The concept of giving people all the autonomy we possibly can is simple. Yet there are many companies that struggle to balance it. For all my friends and former colleagues who feel like they're wearing golden handcuffs, because I think that's what it is, like a pension plan, work stability, or just fear of change, it's normal, I hope you can find balance and you can work with your leader to adjust your interpretation and the application of the policy to fit your needs. Maybe you actually love going to the office every day. If so, awesome. I know some of you who can't stand working from home, and I'm happy the office can be your escape or provide you with boundaries you need or keep the balance in your life or just fulfill your desire to see other humans. That's awesome. If you want to be there, great but it doesn't mean all that needs to be imposed on everybody who don't have the same needs and maybe have very different needs. Working from home can certainly be difficult too. For some, they're challenged to walk away from work, to take breaks, to actually move around, or they just don't have the space. Working from the kitchen table is not really ideal or ergonomic. When I sat down this morning to write about this and talk about it, I was thinking about back-to-office policies and my opinion on them. I didn't really think it would be this. <laughs> I was just got into a state of flow and it came out. I ended up writing a summary history of my experiences, which might vary greatly from yours. In the end, what I really want you to get is blanket policies that force people to do things they don't necessarily want to do without sufficient justification is a recipe for lower staff satisfaction reduced productivity, and certainly worst of all for the company, increased turnover. Remember, replacing somebody ends up costing companies anywhere from three months to a year salary equivalent to recruit, train, ramp up, not to mention all the corporate memory that's being lost. So beware how your policies affect your people's intent and actions to leave for somewhere that better fits their needs. And last, I have to acknowledge that many people can't work remotely even on my own team, which is unfortunate, but some jobs are just about being on site. There's retail and manufacturing, construction, specific customer service, just to name a few. For those of us in roles that can be done from anywhere, why would we limit ourselves with policy against it? Why not enable better conditions, policies that support remote work and personal autonomy? And for those who are on site as well, do promote personal autonomy as well. We have some really, really smart people in our teams and their contribution matters. And support all that with face-to-face -face meetings. Fund those face-to-face -face meetings with the savings from all the real estate you don't need. Mostly, 
empty cube farms. Bring people together in a meaningful, impactful way. A week in Mexico together, anyone? And let the relationships flourish and be maintained remotely in between. Support your people in exploring the world, which will actually stoke creativity. Or maybe just our own backyard. Canada is a big place. And they'll continue to be productive members of the team. And all that travel is awesome experience that brings creativity and diversity to the workplace. Things we really want. So thank you all for listening to my little historical adventure in remote working. Uh, Again, my opinions are pretty evident here. I think things can work very, very well remotely. Not at everything. And we do need to see humans face to face. That's absolutely true. I've never been against that. I just don't like the way most companies or many companies are implementing it. I think there's so much more we could do. I hope this has given you a bit of perspective and helps make your people happier at work. Because after all, people power everything. Thank you very much for listening. If you see yourself in this or you're completely in disagreement with it, I would love to hear from you. Send me a note at john at peoplepowereverything.com. I'd love to read your comments. Have a great day and week ahead. Love y'all.